Welcome to Vision of Zion. I'm Craig Perry and this is episode number 13. The date is August 24th, 2022. What I want to talk about is God. Now I know there are some people out there who don't believe in God at all. Some are convinced that there isn't a God. And then there are agnostics who aren't sure. And then there are those who, you know, believe in God but may not believe that he has any interaction with us today. Everything he had to say is in the past. And that to get to know God, we just have to read the scriptures, look at past experiences. But the God that was around when Moses was on the earth, when Noah was on the earth, when the Old Testament prophets were on the earth, etc., that 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 God is is not functioning in the same manner today that he did in times of old. And this creates a problem because if we don't think that God can interact with us today, how likely are we to search for God or to pray to God or to ask God for direction in our lives? What I want to talk about today is the fact that he is real, that we are created in the image of God, and that he desires for us to have a relationship with him and that he will answer our prayers and listen to us which puts a lot of things in perspective by the way when we can do that so i'd like to start by telling you a story that happened to me a number of years ago i was with my family on vacation at lake tahoe and we were together in this beautiful little beach area there were some other families on the beach we were on one side of the beach and there were some other families playing in the water on the other side and as we were playing around and I was kind of on the shore I was focused on my children and wasn't paying attention much to the other people on the beach and I was facing the water and it was a beautiful warm summer day it was really a nice day to be out and I heard this voice I heard uh, a boy in the water, I didn't know how old he was at the time, and he was looking at the shore at his family, and he was yelling at them, and he was speaking Spanish, I believe, what I later, later came to realize was Spanish, but he was out there in the water, and he was splashing around, and he was yelling to his mama, and as best as I can recall, he was saying, Mama, ayúdame. Mama, are you to me? And he's splashing around. And and uh, I didn't really understand at first. And then as I listened, I remembered, oh, yeah, you know, I know Italian. And aiutami means help me. And so I figured, well, that isn't exactly Italian, but he's probably asking for help. And so I focused in on him, and he was kept uh, bobbing under the water. And his family was just a few yards on the shore, Uh, as I recall quite a large family but they were all milling around having fun and he kept yelling this desperate voice for his mother to help him and I realized this kid is is maybe drowning and so I ran along the shoreline I dove in the water and I went out there and sure enough he had gone a little too far out obviously he couldn't swim I would I would estimate he was about 12 years old 13 years old and he was uh, the the shore had dipped quite a bit 
when it goes into the water there and he was kind of hitting the bottom and pushing himself up and splashing and yelling for his mother to help him and uh so i went over there got in the water got to him and i i remember i put my arm around his chest and kept his head above the water and i kind of paddled ashore and as i did his family realized what was happening and they all ran out to the shore and his heart i remember on my arm because my arm went across his chest i kind of did a my arm across his chest from his right shoulder under his left arm <clears throat> as i was paddling ashore his heart was beating really hard and i remember that so i got to shore the family came and i don't know exactly what he said but he was basically expressing frustration that nobody had heard him and he and they thanked me and they were so grateful i've never uh, had that kind of experience before or since and anyway it was very interesting why do i bring this story up because imagine if you're crying out to a a god or a or your fa heavenly father and he doesn't hear you or doesn't care imagine how discouraging that would be and how frustrating that would be to be praying to someone who wasn't there didn't care you you would give up after a while you wouldn't keep trying i'm here to tell you that prayer is real because god is real and we can receive answers to prayers i, I know the last podcast was ask seek knock but i want to go a little deeper and talk about the fact that god exists and i want to go to the, the bible and i want to discuss a few points about god first of all does god change or is he an unchanging being is he the same yesterday today and in the future or does he alter what he is and who he is is he a, a spiritual form that is unlike us or are we connected in some way on a human level with our heavenly father and can we have faith in this person so let me just go over some verses which i hope will refresh your recollection and if you've never heard of them i hope that they will assist you in understanding the nature of god and that we can have a relationship with him and speak to him as one man talks to another i, I have a friend who is catholic and he likes to tell me you know god's the kind of person that you could go up and talk to and go out and have a beer with and i always love that image of that's how approachable god is okay very approachable think of the opposite uh, think of dorothy and the characters in the wizard of oz going up to this massive head yelling at them and and being frightened and you remember the lion runs off and crashes through the window he's so scared imagine if that was the kind of god we had to approach as compared to someone who was a as a close friend so let's look at some verses first of all we are created in the image of god that's in the book of genesis chapter 1 verse 27 we were created in his likeness male and female again if you go read genesis chapter 1 genesis chapter 5 genesis chapter 9 you'll see that this was the case now later we read about jacob jacob claims in genesis chapter 32 verse 30 he said i have seen god face to face and my life is preserved now some people think that's just an expression i believe that it can be taken literally you know god has a face and we are in his image therefore he has a human character set of characteristics although glorified we read about moses when he was on mount sinai exodus 33 11 and the lord spake unto moses face to face as a man speaketh unto his 
friend. So here we are. Can you imagine understanding that we can approach God as a friend as opposed to the other images that we maybe cannot relate to? Let's fast forward to the book of Matthew when Jesus is baptized. And what do we see there? John witnesses a voice from heaven, Matthew 3.17, and lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And not once, but actually another time. Book of Matthew, chapter 17, verse 5. And while he spake, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and behold, a voice out of the cloud which said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. God has a face. God has a voice. God speaks to man as one man speaketh to another, as you would to a friend. We know that after the resurrection of Jesus Christ, he appears to his apostles, Luke chapter 24, verse 39, and shows him his body of flesh and bones. And then one of my favorites is Acts chapter 7, verses 55 and 56. Verse 56, Stephen is being stoned, and as he is stoned, he has a, he has a vision or an open vision. And this is what he says. Behold, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. This introduces the concept, well not introduces, but this deepens the concept that Heavenly Father is a Father, Jesus Christ is a Son, they are not the same person. When Jesus was baptized, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son. If you believe that, you can logically reason through that God is in heaven speaking, Jesus is on the earth, and now that Jesus is resurrected, this um, believer, Stephen, while being stoned, sees them together in heaven. Also, I'll point out when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, and when the atonement began, he was praying to his Father in heaven. He also taught us how to pray to our Heavenly Father. Christ taught on the Sermon on the Mount, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. There are so many more verses I can point to about Jesus Christ being the express image of his Father, enjoying the same glory, sitting on his right hand, again is, uh, pops up in uh, Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3, and everything indicates and points to the fact that we have a real Father. Now, let's talk about the power of God, because this is another critical element, is that not only is he real, but he has power and abilities that are extraterrestrial, I guess you would say, or maybe someone call them supernatural, or maybe they're just totally natural, but in our world we can't comprehend how he can have the powers that he has. I think Jesus said it best when he expressed the concern that our Heavenly Father has for each and every one of us when he said that the Lord notices when even a sparrow falls to the ground and the hairs on our head are numbered. So God is real, he's accessible, he's interested in us, he knows our situations. And because of all of this, he can help us through our problems. Now, I want to dispel the notion that uh, God no longer speaks to man. In the last podcast, I quoted from the Joseph Smith translation, the JST, where the apostles were asking questions and the Savior explained that, unlike the Jewish tradition, which is, hey, we have the law, the Torah, and we have and we know what God wants us to do, we don't need anything else. 
And I think many Christians get locked into the paradigm that everything that we need to know is found in the scriptures. There can be no more said about anything. God has said all of it. Now, it's one thing to believe in the Bible and believe that it's true and believe that the Word of God is contained in it, but it's quite another thing to say that God can't talk anymore. And one of the things, when I was a missionary, we would once in a while bump into people that would say that after the Bible there could be no more spoken word from God, no more revelation, no more scripture that can be promulgated. I remember one of the things that uh, people would say to us is they would go to the chapter 22 of the book of Revelation and they would read from the book of Revelation where it says in verse 19, and if any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city and from the things which are written in this book. And because, and, and that's the end of the quote, and because that is at the end of the Bible or that the book of Revelation was placed at the end of the New Testament, people say this means that uh, God can't speak any more than what is in the Bible. Um, the problem with that is, is, first of all, if you look at the, the dating of the books in the Bible, you will see that the book of Revelation preceded some of the other books in the Bible or in the New Testament. Uh, so I don't remember the dates, but if you look up like the three books of John, uh, I've, read, uh, it, I've read where it says that those books were written after the book of Revelation. And so we also have to understand that the Bible was not a compiled book when the book of Revelation was, was penned by John. The uh, Bible and the New Testament were compiled many, many years later into a book, and the book of Revelation happened to be placed at the end of the book. But it was not written as a final chapter or commentary on the entire Bible or on the New Testament. So what this clearly is saying is that you, can't, you should not and don't mess with John's revelation. Go back and read it again. And if any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, that's what it says in verse 19. That's the, that's the issue. So we have to understand that God is able to speak. He, he made scripture back in the old days. He made scripture at the time of Jesus and people wrote down these things. And any time that people speak by the power of the Holy Spirit, those were the words of God. And sometimes they can be written down and placed in a book or, or what have you. So, But the, the broader point is the realization that God is continuing to speak. He spoke to the Jews. He spoke to the Jews that became Christians. He spoke to Christian prophets after the death of Jesus Christ. And that we are still told and commanded we can ask, seek, and knock by asking of God as directed in James chapter 1 verse 5. You go look at Deuteronomy chapter 4 verse 2. It says here, quote, Ye shall not add unto the word which I command you, neither shall ye diminish aught from it, that ye may keep the commandments of the Lord your God which I command you. Close quote. So you could say that that limits too 
but we know that the Lord spoke volumes more after Moses. Uh, the rest of the 40 books in the Old Testament of the Tanakh, they're all really, uh, you know, additional revelations, thankfully. So you should not be concerned that God has somehow changed or is unable to speak. These are the kind of arguments that we saw in 1 Kings chapter 18 when the priests of Baal were trying to best Elijah to light the sacrifice or the, you know, the timber or wood under the sacrifice of the bullock. Verse 26 says that they called on the name of Baal from morning even until noon, saying, O Baal, hear us. But there was no voice, nor any that answered. And they leaped upon the altar which was made. And then here comes Elijah. And it came to pass at noon that Elijah mocked them and said, Cry aloud, for he is a god. Either he is talking, or he is pursuing, or he is in a journey. Or peradventure he sleepeth, and must be awaked. And they cried aloud, and cut themselves after their manner with knives and lancets, till the blood gushed out upon them. So they tried really hard, and, and basically Elijah you know, mocked them, because they were having faith in a false god. And then, of course, he built up the altar again, because it kind of been knocked down. Puts the wood in order, cuts the bullock, pours water over the sacrifice, does it a second time, and a third time drenches it with water, so full that the trench around the altar was filled with water. And that's when, in the evening, all Elijah said was, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Israel, let it be known this day that thou art God in Israel, and that I am thy servant, and that I have done all these things at thy word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that thou art the Lord God, and that thou hast turned their back, their heart, and that thou hast turned their heart back again. And what do we what happened? We know what happened, verse thirty eight. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice, and the wood, and the stones, and the dust, and licked up the water that was in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces, and they said, The Lord, he is the God. The Lord, he is the God. So, this, this proved to be a great witness to the children of Israel, that God was powerful, that he could answer prayers. And interestingly enough, after this experience, Elijah has another amazing point of reference about prayer and God answering prayers and the method and or manner in which the Lord answers them. This is uh, the next chapter, chapter 19 of 1 Kings. Basically, Jezebel hears about the priests being slain after this demonstration against the priests of Baal. And now she wants to put him to death. And he's just sick and tired of this. He goes a day's journey in the wilderness. This is verse 4. Sits upon a juniper tree and requests that he might die. And he says, It is enough now, O Lord, take away my life, for I am not better than my father's. And as he lay and slept under the juniper tree, an angel touched him and said, Arise and eat. So he ate. Anyway, go skip down a little bit. The Lord says in verse 11, Go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind rent the mountains and break in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. 
and after the wind an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire a still small voice. So it's been my experience also that the way the Lord speaks to us generally is in a still small voice that we can recognize or learn to recognize is coming from the Lord. The Lord's ability to communicate with us is unbounded, un unrestrained, what he can do. And I know that we all have different ways we hear the voice of the Lord. Um, some are more visual, some will have strong impressions, some say they hear a voice. Uh, the point is God is able to communicate with his children in many, many different ways. And it's important that we tune into the Holy Spirit, which is the medium through which the Lord will speak to us. Now, some may say, well, you know, this is all in your head. This isn't real. But I have seen so many instances of impressions uh, that I get either enlighten me, help me make decisions, and many times I see the fruition by following a prompting. To me, getting a prompting from the Lord is like, is better than gold. You know, it's so precious to know the will of the Lord in your life and to, and to follow it. One of the things about, you look at the Old Testament and these prophets and the great things that they did. One of the things I love about the Savior, Jesus Christ, is that he brings it down to a level that everybody can understand and can participate in these divine gifts. This is not limited or restricted to prophets in, the, in this way that we understand a prophet or, or leader or a person who calls people to repentance. These, are, uh, these godly abilities to communicate with God are to be had by all. And this is exactly what the Savior taught. In fact, the Savior went a bit farther and said that sometimes religious leadership that we saw at least at the time of Christ, they looked beyond the mark and they missed the beauty of and the simplicity of the basics of the gospel. And part of Jesus's mission was to strip away, uh, I believe, centuries of uh, teachings that tended to uh, make it harder to understand and appreciate God and what he, what he is. When I took a class uh, in school in Jewish philosophy, what I learned is that I learned a couple, well, I learned a lot of things, but one of the things I learned was that when they study the, the, the Tanakh, they will take a verse uh, and on one page, let's say, and then around that page will be a bunch of um, wise teachings of rabbis, etc., about that verse and what it might mean. And they have centuries of these kinds of wonderful uh, teaching opportunities. And what I also learned in this class was that in order to prevent breaking the law, like keeping the Sabbath holy, that they would put a hedge around the law. And the hedge meant, for example, and I'm, I'm not giving an exact example, but this should be, uh, be helpful. So if the, if the scriptures say, Exodus 20 says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy, then they would want to restrict how far a person could walk. Or if you walk through a field that had grain in it, if you brush up against it, it would fall to the ground, this grain, that would be considered harvesting, which would be work. And so you couldn't even walk through a field. 
and this hedge was intended to protect the the kernel oh, I shouldn't use huh? forgive the reference uh, no pun intended but the the essence of the law was was sacrosanct and they built this hedge around the law to try and make sure that they never broke the the law of keeping the Sabbath holy so they created a bunch of other rules and observances to prevent that so one of the things Jesus did is he said let's strip that all away you know let's get to the basics and he of course he made that famous statement uh, the Sabbath was made for man not man for the Sabbath and so there were many things that he did to strip away uh, centuries and maybe millennia of thoughts and ideas that went above and beyond what the Mosaic law was calling for and of course he fulfilled the law if you're a Christian that's what you believe is that he fulfilled the law he met the prophecies such as uh, Isaiah 53 he fulfilled the prophecies in Isaiah 53 etc but the point of all of this is that Jesus made the he made it all these principles simple faith repentance baptism and the Holy Ghost and living by the Spirit and having a direct relationship with God the Father as he did as others did and that this was available if you go read you know the beatitude the beatitudes and if you go read the rest of the Sermon on the Mount this is what Jesus's genius was to make God accessible to all and so I just want to close with that I'm grateful to have a personal testimony that God lives to have experienced that he listens to my prayers and to know that he's not only speaking in the past in the scriptures that he can continue to communicate with us and that he cares about us and that he is inviting us and that he wants us to have a relationship with him remember the two great commandments when when they asked Jesus what is the great commandment and he said the great commandment is love the Lord like God with all thy heart might mind and strength and the second is like unto it love your neighbor as yourself so even our entire national identity the principles of our democracy and our Republic and other Western cultures is based on the notion that there is a God and that he has granted us freedoms that are superior to the state and that these things are inherent and so even that flows into our societies that we cannot abandon and must remember so God wants to be in our lives he has made it himself available to us I want to close with one more thought and that is the notion that your blessings from God the things that you are needful to you spiritually in need there's not a limited supply that if you get blessed it doesn't mean that someone else can't get blessed so there's no reason for you to ever think well I'm not going to ask for that because that's not important God has the the um, generosity and the ability to bless everybody and you shouldn't 
think that you're being a lesser priority because you are asking for something that may be considered by others to be small or insignificant. God has the ability to answer the big prayers and the small prayers all simultaneously. I don't claim to know how he can do it. I just know that he can and that he's all powerful in this way. Yes, he respects our agency. That's why he wants us to ask. But there's, you should not feel like, well, there's people starving in this other country, so I can't pray for, you know, bread on my table. Um, or pray for whatever. You shouldn't think that way. God can bless people all over the world and you're not um, reducing the supply of blessings that God can bestow upon his children because of the things that you're asking for. All right, so I hope that this uh, podcast will encourage you to pray and to become more acquainted with the Lord and not put restrictions on his ability to bless you. Thank you for listening.